This is our first session now on Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. I, therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to walk worthily of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and meekness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What I want to do in this first session is make a general comment and then just look at a few initial words and phrases here to see the connection between chapters 4 through 6 and 1 through 3. So, Father, as we make these general observations and see a few specifics, show us how you intended this letter to be built, and I think that means how our lives are to be built. Show us that, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In this letter, There are 41 imperatives. So, commands. Before this, that is in chapters 1 through 3, there is one of those. 40 of the 41 are in chapters 4 through 6. What does that mean? Here's what it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that chapters 1 through 3 have no transformative, practical, on-the-ground, get-it-done implications. In fact, walking worthily of your calling, which does go back, that very word means what has gone before is going to govern and shape and empower what comes now. So to point out that 40 imperatives are in chapters 4 through 6, and one of them, and that's chapter 2, verse 13, which says, remember that you were once far off, does not mean those chapters have no practical significance. I'm going to argue exactly the opposite. What it means is that the, the, the deeds, the doings of Christians should be built on massive grounding in chapters 1 through 3. Doctrine. This is Paul's clear implication that I'm going to give you command after command after command after command after command to help you change your lives. But if you jump in and preach like that or teach like that or try to live like that, just do, 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 raise your kids like that, do, do, do. I remember saying to my mom when I was 13, all I ever hear is do, do, do. If you try to teach like that or preach like that or live like that, you will fail because chapters 1 to 3 are put there like a massive foundation under 40 imperatives. So there's the implication. The implication is not that these are practically irrelevant, just the opposite. They are massively relevant. Hence, the therefore, right? Therefore, 
in view of all this, chapters one through three, therefore, walk a certain way. That's why it's there. Now, why does he say a prisoner in the Lord? Before he, why didn't he just say, therefore, on the basis of chapters one through three, I urge you to walk worthy of your calling. Why does he say, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you? I'm going to suggest at least two, and you might be able to think of more contextually, but one would be this walk that I'm urging you to, and this worthiness in view of everything that's gone before is worth being a prisoner for. It's worth everything. That's the first implication. I'm telling you that I'm a prisoner because I don't mind being a prisoner if this could be brought about in you through my imprisonment. Oh, God, keep me imprisoned for all my life if it could be fruitful in bringing about a walk that is worthy of the calling. That's the first significance, I think, to calling himself a prisoner. And the second is that if you walk this way, it might cost you this. If it costs me this, it might cost you this. So I'm not telling you that there's a rosy life in front of you. I'm a prisoner, and I'm doing my best to walk worthy of the gospel, and I'm calling you to imitate me. So for those two reasons, at least, I would say, he inserted, I'm a prisoner. It's that valuable and it might cost you that much. Now go to the word walk. Occurs eight times in this letter, 33 times in Paul's letters. This is one of his favorite words for the ordinary living of the Christian life. And I think that's because walking is just so ordinary, right? You go from one place to the next, they don't have cars. You don't have bicycles. You walk. Walking is what you do if you're alive. So, eight times in this letter, 33 times in all of his letters, the Christian life is a walk. Walk worthily of your calling. Now, we're going to spend at least two sessions on calling and what it is, and probably a session on what it means to walk worthily. So don't be frustrated that we're going to be done in just a moment, and I didn't answer all your questions. But here, what I think it's important to say in this first session is that the call to walk worthily of your calling points to the way to think about Christian ethics or Christian living. This is, this is living. This is guidance. And we're guided not only by specific commands, like 40 of them in this book, but by a general principle of, is our life fitting? Is it fitting our calling? 
There's a principle there of how to live. When you face a decision, you're not going to be able to find a command in the New Testament or the Old Testament that is exactly suited to that particular situation. You're going to have to think like this. Is choice one more worthy of my calling? Or is choice two or three more worthy of my calling? Does it fit my calling? So that's the first thing to notice there, a general principle about the way the Christian life is to be lived. There are many situations in which you will not be able to find a specific command, so you need these general principles. And yet, if you look up all the places of walk in this letter, there are some specifics. Let's just look at them. Here's walking back in chapter 2. You were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air. So you don't want to walk in tune with the world and in tune with the devil. So think of your walking as now being in tune with something else. Here's verse 10 of chapter 2. We are his workmanship. He created us. We're new people in Christ. Four good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk, walk in them. So we are to walk in good works because we're new people. Chapter 4, verse 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. So don't conform to the old ways of the Gentiles, which are rooted in emptiness and futility of thinking. Or chapter 5, verse 2, walk in love as Christ loved us. Now, that's a real specific imperative. Here's another one. Ephesians 5, 8, at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light, that as there is like worthy of being a child of the light in a fitting way as a child of the light. Here's one more. Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise. Walk wisely. In other words, not only do you have the general principle, walk worthy of your calling, but he gives a few specifics like walk wisely or walk in love. And the point there is not to replace the principle. The point is to flesh out the principle in a few cases so that you get the idea of how the principle works. So I think the main point we've seen here is that this, therefore, which connects verses one, I mean, chapters one to three, that has one imperative, with chapters four through six, which has 40 imperatives, is intended to show that this is a massive grounding for this. And if you think you can be a pastor or a teacher, a Sunday school teacher, a small group leader, or a faithful parent, and cut straight to the do and the command without building foundations like we have in these chapters, you're not going to create Christians. You're going to create hypocrites.